The title of the message this morning is The Power of the Words We Speak. The Power of the Words We Speak. You can turn so long to James chapter 3 and verse 2. We'll get there momentarily. I have felt stirred in my heart to share this message with you. It almost comes, I believe, with a burden from the Lord to share this. Maybe you don't normally take notes when you are listening, but if you can at all take notes, I'd encourage you to do so. The power of the words we speak. And as an introduction, I'd like to say, as I was preparing to speak on this subject, I discovered the Word of God actually has a considerable amount to say into this area, a considerable amount on this subject. It's actually quite remarkable. And we can learn so much from the Word. And as believers, we need to make sure that we're not just hearing the Word and thinking to ourselves, wow, that's good. We need to be translating it into lives being changed. That we don't look in the mirror, walk away, forget what we looked like. No, that we are transformed into the image of the Lord Jesus. And if I was to say, what is the objective of the message today? I would say that it's to that we would realize the importance and the power of the words that we speak, that we would be also more determined than ever to speak life-giving words, and that we would be part of the solution in our country with the words that are being spoken. Amen. Amen. And so I'm trusting that that's what, a, what will come across in the time of sharing. There are five points I'd like to share with you. Let's get straight into them. The first two I'll spend a little bit more time on. Number one, recognize the crucial role your tongue plays. Please say that with me. Recognize the crucial role your tongue plays. Do you truly see your tongue as important? Do you see it as playing a vital role in your life or not. The scripture sees it as playing a vital role. Please have a look at James 3, verse 2 to 5, and also verse 9 to 10. It will appear on the screen as well. I'm reading from the New King James Version. If anyone, James 3, verse 2, if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man able also to bridle his whole body. That's quite a thought. Indeed, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us and we turn the whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder. Would you say small? They are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member. Would you say little? Now, to see if your tongue is little, I'm going to ask that you look at the person next to you and stick out. No, no, no. (laughs) I think we all know that the tongue is not such a big part of the body. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Jumping to verse 9. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who've been made in the likeness of God. 
Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does the word of God speak into the area of our speech? It sure does. Are we listening to what the word of God says? That's why we're talking about it today. A couple of aspects out of that passage is verse 2 tells us that if you can control your tongue, you can control your whole body. So in other words, if you can exercise self-control over your tongue in your speech, you shouldn't have too much trouble exercising self-control over other areas of your body. That's what it's saying. If you can control your tongue, you can control your whole body. Now, let's think of one or two examples of other areas that you might want to control. Maybe laziness. Maybe irritability. Maybe spending too much time on technology. And you see, those areas shouldn't be too much of a problem for you if you've learned to control your tongue. Because if you've learned to control the most challenging component, then you just apply what you have learned to other areas of your tongue. That's why it says if you can control your tongue, you're a perfect man. Now the translation says you are mature. So it's quite interesting. As we get victory over this little instrument, our tongue, we can actually begin to learn to dominate other areas as well. There's an interesting connection. As we look at verse 4 of that little passage, it says and tells us that massive ships are steered by a relatively small rudder. And compared to a huge, a huge ship in the ocean, you must agree a rudder is comparatively small. Yet that rudder can steer the entire ship wherever the pilot desires. Do you see how powerful the rudder is and what it can do? It can direct wherever the pilot desires. Now, compared to a huge ship, the rudder is very small and actually the rudder weighs only a fraction of the weight. As I was preparing for this message, one of the guys gave an example about the Queen Elizabeth ship, the original RMS Queen Elizabeth. That ship sailed the seas in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. I think it was actually way ahead of its time. And it could accommodate 3,500 people on board. Can you imagine that in the 1940s, getting onto a ship where crew and passengers all together, 3,500 people. It was a huge ship, and for a period of 56 years, it was the largest ocean liner that was traveling the seas. And so this massive ship weighed, listen to this, 83,000 tons. It was huge. It was very heavy. But yet the rudder weighed only 140 tons. That's less than 1% of the total weight. It's two-thirds of 1%. So you see the huge ship, 83,000 tons, and then this 140-ton rudder. Amazing that such a small rudder can direct the ship. Even though it's such a small part, it can direct the whole ship. And this is the point. Don't misjudge the power of your tongue by its size. 
You could, you could tend to think, well, it's just a little part of my body. body. It's not going to make such a big difference, you know. But don't misjudge. That's what the Scripture is telling us. Don't misjudge the power of your tongue just because it's tiny, just because it's small. Even though it is a small part, it can have a dramatic effect, and it will have a dramatic effect on your life. Verse 9, just highlighting that for a moment out of the same passage, tells us that out of the same mouth we bless God and curse men. Isn't that true? But this should not be the case, the scripture says. Now, I'd like you to take a look at a video clip for a moment that kind of illustrates, you know, different things coming out of the same environment. And essentially, it's about when road rage doesn't match the music that is being played. Let's roll this clip for a moment. Step on that gas pedal, I'm step on. The light's green, go! Where'd you learn to drive? Really? Use the crosswalk? I will hit a pedestrian. I will hit a pedestrian. Oh, really? You in a big hurry? You drive a Prius. Go save the planet. Did you enjoy that? Quite a good one. Now, that wasn't actually a, a real situation. It was created by a Christian comedian, but it does prove quite a valid point, I'm sure. However, I'm sure that none of you, none of these people next to you have ever done something like that. Am I right? What's that nervous giggle that I'm hearing from some people? <laughs> Here I am too. Hey, I'll step on your face, man. What are you doing? Wow, interesting. The tongue can direct the entire course of your life, either for evil or for good. Point number two, our words contain creative or destructive power. Please say that with me. Our words contain either creative or destructive power. Proverbs 18.21 says it clearly. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Take note of the word power. Maybe you've never really seen your tongue as a powerful instrument, but it, it has the power to speak life creatively. It has the power of death. It has the power to destruct. And so in other words, your tongue can do a great deal of good, but your tongue can also do a great deal of damage. You have that power. God has, for some reason, entrusted it to us and he wants us to be good stewards over our tongues. And just as God spoke the world into existence, you and I, we can speak hope into existence, we can be, speak a future into existence, and we should be coming in agreement with God and speaking life over our lives. And I wanna challenge you, if you're not doing that in your personal space, that you'd be challenged by this message that in a new way, I'm gonna speak life. I'm going to speak in agreement with God because he has plans of a hope and a future for me. But let's talk about the destructive power for a moment. Now, in recent times, our country has been troubled by 
destructive words. Come on, let's be real. Our country has been troubled. A lot of people shouting off their mouths, saying all sorts of things. It has been bringing destruction. And you know what? In one sense, it's no surprise at all that everybody is up in arms because what we've just read, words are powerful. So it's no surprise. And when you just begin to use your mouth to say all sorts of the wrong things, it stirs up chaos because words are that powerful. And we've seen it recently in James 3, verse 5 and 6. It's on your screen in the message version. Put it very interesting. uh, interestingly. It says, a word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. Now look at this. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony into chaos. Doesn't that sound like some of the things happening in our country? Through words, harmony has been turned into chaos. Throw mud on a reputation. Now listen, send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. Wow, that sounds like one of those old hillbilly preachers. Right from the pit of hell. (laughs) But do you see how chaotic the output of negative and destructive words can be? I want to say, let you and I not be those that bring chaos through our words. In your work environment, don't let your words bring chaos. When you're on Facebook and you're putting some posts out there, don't let your words bring chaos. No. You're a righteous man of God. You're a righteous woman of God. Don't let it bring destruction. Let it bring life. But also, let me tell you, there's a sobering verse in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36, and it says, but I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. You might think, well, I can just rent and rave and say what I want, and who cares, man? I'm, I'm 25 years old. I'm, I can do what I want. I can say what I want. No, no, no. God cares, and the scripture says that you will give account, you and I will give account of every idle word, which is careless words that are being spoken. Wow, that should make us think twice about what we allow out of our mouth. Now, let's talk about creative power for a moment. I'm quite passionate about this, and let me say this. I believe the words that are spoken over a child's life are so important. Does anybody agree with me? So many children have ended up facing terrible heartache and difficulty in their lives because their parents were destroying them with their words, breaking them down, crushing them. And I so believe in the importance of speaking life over our children. It can cause them to succeed in life or it can actually cause them to fail in life. It can shape their entire lives. So parents, speak life to your children. Hear it loud and clear. Speak life to your children. Won't you say to the person next to you, speak life. Even if they don't have children. (laughs) Wherever it is, you can speak life. And Jesus said in John 6, 63, Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. 
The Greek word there used for life is the word zoe. Zoe means the very breath of God. It means the very life of God in Jesus' words. And when Jesus was on earth, what did he do? He spoke words of life. They brought that lady who was caught in adultery and they wanted to stone her. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He spoke words of life. And I believe because Jesus is our example, you and I should follow suit. We have a responsibility as disciples, as Christ followers, that we would also follow in Jesus' footsteps and we would imitate him by speaking life as well. Mandri and I have always tried to be careful in this area. We've sincerely tried not to speak destructive words over our children, over our boys, our young men. 16 and 14, I can't call them little boys anymore, they're young men. We've tried to speak words of life and we've tried to never break them down. You might say, well, what, is, what if correction is needed? There's something that I've learned. You tackle the behavior, not the person. Some people, when a child is misbehaving, they say, you naughty, why are you doing this? Why can't you be like your brother? You are so naughty, stop this. Ever since, what a, what a, what a, you've been naughty. You know what, that just crushes, crushes a child. Rather take it this way, rather say, listen my boy, I love you, but what you did was bad. That was wrong. Nothing changes my love for you, but that was wrong. It's so important that we speak words of life, even in times of correction. And I believe that the tree will produce good fruit. Gary Player, one of the great golfers that we know out of South Africa, but when he was young, he had actually reached a ceiling in his golf. And he was discouraged. He thought he would never become a champion, never become like those other guys, because basically he thought he was too short to succeed. And then his dad said to him one day, he said, you know, it's not about what's outside, it's about what's inside that matters. And those words had a profound effect on his life, and he went on to become one of the greatest golfers in the world. And it was all because his father spoke words of life over him. I want to tell you, we have a responsibility to speak words of life It'll cause our children to fly and mount up with wings as eagles and soar as we speak words of life. Can I have an amen? amen? Good. Don't get too quiet in this message. Number three, before words are spoken, they are conceived in the heart. This is muy importante. This is very important. Before words are spoken, they are conceived in the heart. Look at Luke 6 verse 45. It says, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. And then this, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. That's an important principle for Christians to know. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's coming out of your mouth shows of what is actually in your heart. And I believe the key to solving our words problem is to be solving our heart problem. What's going on in your heart? 
Sometimes we can get away with not saying something, but it's actually still in our heart. What's going on in our hearts is very important. Because our hearts are, our mouths are merely the overflow of what's taking place in our hearts. And let me say that our hearts actually reveal, sorry, our mouths actually reveal what is in our hearts. I'd even go so far as to use the word expose. Sometimes you just blurt out something and actually you've exposed your heart. And then you might try to say, well, I didn't mean it like that. And say, no, you misunderstood it and all sorts of excuses. Sounds like survival or something like that. No, no, no. It's actually a revelation of what's in your heart. So when something gets blurted out, we need to take note. Oh, God, is there something that you need to work on in my heart? Listen to this quote. When someone bumps you, your heart spills over. Isn't that true? <laughs> Whether we like it or not, when somebody bumps you, your heart spills over. Now, I want to say something very important. I believe before we can stop words of prejudice from coming out of our mouths, we first have to stop thoughts of prejudice from being conceived in our hearts. I'm talking to you today. I'm talking to me today. We cannot allow prejudice to be in our hearts, and when it is, we need to circumcise our hearts, cut that stuff out. It has no place. It's unbecoming for a believer. It shouldn't be there. And let me tell you, that's the real issue. That's the real issue we're dealing with, what is going in on in our hearts. Because if it's, what's going on is there is right, it'll never come out of the mouth that there's bad words being spoken. And so we need to say, Lord, would you grant us the grace to set our hearts in order? Amen. Now, there's another scripture which has bearing here because I believe not only do we want our words to be the right words that are coming out, but we want our hearts to please God. The scripture says so beautifully in Psalm 19, verse 14, reading from the New Living, it says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, say those four words with me, meditation of my heart, be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. On to point number four, five points I'm sharing with you. We need to speak from our redeemed nature not our old nature. Would you please say that with me? We need to speak from our redeemed nature, not our old nature. You see, what happened is when the fall of mankind took place, we lost dominion over our tongues. We couldn't effectively rule over them, and human nature cannot successfully govern the tongue. But let me say it loud and clear that God can control the tongue. And our lives yielded to God can see victory in this area. It is only God that can bring it under control. And let me say, for you and I as believers, we have been crucified with Christ. The old nature has been crucified. All things have become new. And so that old nature has been dead and buried, it's crucified, so we can live in victory in this area. All things have passed away. And so we need to believe and know in our hearts that we can have dominion over our speech. 
and we can reign in life over this area. Some people might just be thinking, well, this is a losing battle. I've struggled for years in this area, and my, my husband tells me this, and my wife tells me this, and it's a losing battle. No, 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 it's not a losing battle because of what Jesus has done. And in Christ, you have the victory. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He strengthens you that your words that would come out of your mouth would be words pleasing to him. So if we're just going to rely on ourselves to pull us up by our bootstraps and bring words of life, it's probably going to fail. But if we're going to depend on God and see ourselves as in Christ, as redeemed, then we will be able to win this battle. But we need to put off the old nature. It says in Colossians 3, verse 8 and 9, but now you yourselves are to put off. Would you say put off? All these. What are these? It lists them as anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. And then it says filthy language coming out of your mouth. I believe that that's not only cussing and swearing and things like that. It's just wrong things, polluted things, lies and, and breaking down of others coming out of our mouths. And it says that we must put that off since you have put off the old man with his deeds. But also the Bible tells us that we need to put on something. In Colossians it's saying put off, put off. And here in Ephesians it's saying put on. And this is what it says, Ephesians 4, 23 to 24 and 29, it says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may, sorry, and that you, say those two words with me, put on. Say that again, put on. What must you put on? The new man, which was created according to God and in true righteousness and holiness. And then verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Once again, I ask you, does God's word speak into the area of our speech? And the answer is absolutely. Are you listening today? Are you taking this in? We don't want to walk out of here having heard good words and we don't apply them. And God is saying, let your words be for necessary edification, and that would actually impart grace to the hearers. So, before you're about to give your, let's call it five cents worth of, of comment in a conversation, ask yourself three questions. Is it true? Is it necessary? And does it build up? Here you're in a conversation, maybe standing around a bri or you're at the work uh, in the cafeteria and you're busy doing lunch with a couple of colleagues and you think, well, I've got something to say here. And you think, should I say it? And then just ask, well, is it true? Is it necessary? And does it build up? Because if it meets that threefold test, then go right ahead. It's gonna create life. It's gonna bring life. Won't you say this after me out aloud? I can definitely win. In the area of my speech, this is not a losing battle. I will put the new on. God has set me up for success. Amen? Now the last point, number five. By the way, are you still with me this morning? Everyone's still with me? Okay, this is a brief one. Number five, let your words be part of the solution in our land. Please say that with me. Let your words be part of the solution in our land. 
How are you doing on that score at this point in time? Maybe you realize, uh-oh, I've been making mistakes. And I want to challenge you as your pastor this morning that you would purpose in your heart that you're going to be part of the solution. Even if you've spoken all sorts of nonsense before. No, no, no. It's a new day and I'm trusting God to help me that I will be part of the solution. Look at Psalm 141 verse 3. It says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And we sure need that God to be put over our mouths. We sure need that. Because even as we're endeavoring to walk rightly before the Lord and put on the new, there's sometimes we, oh, we want to say something and we just need God's help. And I believe that He's there to help if we will depend on Him. But you might say, why should I be speaking words of life over our nation? Because there's this and this and this and this wrong. And, and why should I be speaking words of life over others? And I want to tell you a very clear reason. You must be speaking life because you have a moral obligation before God as an ambassador of Christ Jesus. You cannot just say what you want and do what you want because you are not your own. You were bought with a price. And so let it be heard loud and clear that we are ambassadors for Jesus. And you and I have a moral obligation. Look at the scripture in James 3 verse 10. Now this is reading out of the Amplified Bible. It says, out of the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. These things, my brother, should not be this way. But then look at what it puts in brackets. It says, for we have a moral obligation. Would you say moral obligation? obligation. We have a moral obligation. To speak in a manner that reflects the fear of God and profound respect for His precepts. So because I fear God in a reverential way, and because I have the greatest regard for His precepts, I realize that I have this moral obligation, and I am an ambassador. Please tell the person next to you, you're an ambassador. Tell them, you're an ambassador, Mr. Ambassador. Mrs. Ambassador. Now I'm drawing it to a close. I believe that this message calls for a quality decision in our hearts. And I'm asking that in this very moment that you would be prepared to make a quality decision. Maybe you've never done such a thing concerning the words that you speak. Would you, in response to the Word of God, make a quality decision right now in your heart because I believe that we need to choose life-giving words publicly. We need to choose life-giving words privately. We need to give, choose life-giving words even when we make jokes. There needs to be life-giving words. Won't you stand with me, please? We're going to pray. And just before I pray, I want to say this. At the beginning, we read about the boat, the ship, and the rudder. And we saw that the Bible says that the ship can go wherever the pilot desires. I want to ask you this morning, where do you desire to steer your ship? I want to ask you, how are you going to position your rudder? How will you steer your ship? And I want to encourage you, I want to urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus that you would steer your boat, that you would position your rudder 
towards life, towards life, towards life. Because God says that you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. God's wanting to elevate his people to places of influence where you can shine the light, make a difference. And by God's grace, we can. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Your word is clear. It's alive. And our greatest desire walking out of this time of being around your word is that we would do it. We take a moment to ask for forgiveness for every careless word. We're sorry, Lord. And we declare that we're going to up our game by the grace of God and by the fact that we are in Christ. We declare that we put off the old nature and we take on the redeemed nature with regards to our speech. And we say, Lord, here it is. We yield our tongue to you. We yield our mouths to you. We yield our minds to you. And most importantly, we yield our hearts to you that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth would speak life and life in abundance. And now I bless your people. I say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord will lift up the light of his smile upon you and give you peace. And we all say, Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand.